Okay, so, we ready? I think so. All right, let's do this. All right, so this is the Montana Gallery Podcast. I am Tyler Murphy, and I'm sitting here talking with my friend Daniel Keyes over, uh, we're using Facebook Messenger, I think, to, to talk to each other. And Right. So Daniel just got back from Portrait Society. He won the grand prize, the William F. Draper Grand Prize. Uh, and so that's really exciting, and, it, and I wanted to be the first to, to interview him. And I, I have not really heard much about how that whole experience went, so I'm excited to, to get his story. What is Portrait Society? Well, it started 20 years ago. I don't know the full story. I was actually just hearing a little bit about it. There was some kind of group long before, I think, and, and then it had kind of, I don't know if that group sort of dissolved and this became the new thing. I'm, I'm not totally sure of the history of it, but I know that this is the 20th year that it has been around. So it's essentially like other groups where you have, um, I, th- I think a full-time kind of team that, that organizes things and, and keeps it going. But uh, then you've got representatives in different states, each state uh, that there, there might be a representative. And there, it's like a, you know, it's a club or um, something that you can be a member of. And it encourages portrait painting, particularly traditional representational portrait painting. And they have events and they do newsletters and, and they try to connect people, you know. And it just creates a nice camaraderie. And um, I don't, I'm not terribly familiar with the organization. It is a nonprofit uh, which I think is really great, and they do a lot for the art community, um, specific to portraiture, but really just for representational art, it's a nice thing to have. Um, I think I think that they do a good job, and then annually they do this uh, uh, one this once a year conference, where they bring in all kinds of top portrait painters, and they give lectures and demonstrations and that sort of thing, and then they award. Um, portrait artists who submit works and they have this grand kind of gala uh, awards banquet type thing uh, and that's what this last weekend was it's like they're uh, they have different events throughout the year but this is their main event mm-hmm. and what's uh what's sort of your history with it how long have you followed it what what does it kind of mean to you well, that's the thing. It's it's actually kind of new to me. My first, I, I don't want to say experience, but my first knowledge of it was just hearing other people talk about it, uh, particularly artists who paint portraits primarily. They always would be talking about this event that they'd go to and this society that put on the event. Mm-hmm. And I knew it was big and I knew it was important. But I didn't paint portraits, and so it was never something that I looked into. My first experience with it was last year. Uh, they had asked if I would come and give a demonstration with my friend Kathy Anderson because they wanted to have, it's all predominantly portraiture, but they wanted to have a broader range of 
subject matter. So our job was basically to introduce flowers, you know, and still life into portrait painting. So we came and we did a demonstration together. And that was my first year um, being involved at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. And like, how do you feel about portraits? Uh, I mean, obviously, you've you've always looked up to Richard Schmidt, and, and he's right. pretty well known for his portraits. Um, right. Yeah, take, take me through your thoughts on portraiture. Well, it's funny, that's not my... It's not my first love, even though I, I, I so obviously have studied Richard's work and other artists' work. I love Sargent. He's one of my absolute favorites. But to me, painting is painting. So mm-hmm. I've always just looked at it that way. I'm looking, I'm not really looking just for subject matter. I'm looking at brushwork and color and value and design, all of those, all of those things that can be used to paint anything Mm -hmm. and and particularly with Richard's work I was always most attracted to his florals and still lifes and I didn't study the portraits so much or the figurative paintings because that was just not something that interested me uh, a whole lot I have dabbled with it and usually because I'll paint with other people and they want to paint a model and so I'll I'll go along with that. I've I, I definitely love it. I enjoy it and I, I want to paint more of them. But my first love is what I've always loved ever since I was a child, which is na- nature, uh, flowers and gardens and and that sort of thing. Okay. So take us through tell us about your time um you know entering portrait society, getting accepted and then going and just tell us the story of of this sure. uh, of this whole sure adventure that you've been on well last year i entered um because i was going to be a presenter just like this year so i entered and i i received a certificate of excellence okay which was really nice especially for your first time entering that was that was nice uh, a, a really nice compliment you know and so this year i wasn't going to enter funny enough and uh, but again, I was asked asked to be a presenter um, and and do a demonstration and be part of what they call the face off and all of that. And so the last day that you could enter, I thought, well, and I was actually in Scottsdale at the time, and I thought, um, well, I should I should put something in. And I had just talked with my friend Tim Reese, and he was working on a really beautiful painting. And um, hold on a second. I want to make sure that this is still recording. Okay, because my <laughs> my screen went went blank. Okay. Anyway, so I thought, well, I'll enter something. And I had several like portrait studies and and more kind of casual things, and I was entering those. And the site, I imagine, because it was the final deadline, it was probably being overloaded with people trying to submit mm-hmm. their entries. It was kind of glitchy, and it wouldn't take my my entries. Mm-hmm. And so I tried one image, and it wouldn't do it. And I tried another image, and it wouldn't do it. Finally, I was not even intending to enter this painting of the the two children. I had painted that for my my show. Uh-huh. That was for my that was for my one man show. And so finally, I thought, well, I'll try another image. And so I, it came down to that one. <laughs> I know this is awful, and and it took it. Okay. It it took that painting. Okay. And I thought, oh, well, all right. And I thought for sure 
that it had no chance. There was no chance that I, I just knew that, you know, it wasn't going to be accepted, which was fine. I wasn't, I was okay with that. I had just, you know, that was not yeah. something I, I would have been upset about. Yeah. And um, because I, you know, I would much rather have worked on something specific for the Portrait Society. But I think our best work so oftentimes is just those things that come naturally. And, Absolutely. And we're not, we're not trying. We're just trying to, to be good. We're trying to do something worthwhile. So anyway, um, several weeks later, I was on the road and I got a call from Michael Shane Neal, the amazing portrait artist uh, who's very much involved in the Portrait Society. And uh, he said that it was a finalist. And I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. And I, I kind of questioned it. Like, are you sure? You know? And uh, he he said some very nice things about it and, and that they were happy to have it um, in the uh, competition. And so I, again, I thought, well, you know, it'll, it doesn't really stand a chance. And uh, that's wonderful that they want it. It made me terribly nervous. All of this made me really, really nervous because these are some amazing artists, the, the, those that are painting portraits regularly, and they do such a fantastic job. I felt so out of place and mm-hmm. so out of my, my league the whole time. Um, it was the most stressful time. <laughs> you know, I'm only now enjoying it, but in, in the moment, I just, um, I think my heart rate was accelerating the whole time. I just, I was really, really nervous about it. Well, and that's a question from that somebody wrote in uh, on Instagram uh, that we want to get to at some point about referring to your heart rate uh, when uh, when they finally when they called your name that you were the grand prize winner. Oh man, ah, oh. I mean, it still it still kind of gets my heart rate up a little bit because you you relive it, and so all throughout the conference, I tried not to think about it because it's like four days three or four days and you're doing demonstrations or you're going to see artists whose work you really like. You're, you're watching them demonstrate and having a good time. And at the same time, trying not to think about the competition, but knowing that it's impending, you know, it's, it's, it's looming. And so finally the night of it's a dinner banquet. So first you're having dinner. I I don't even remember what we ate. I don't remember any of it, you know, and, and cause it was all just waiting. It's this, this awful, awful waiting. And then finally, you have your meal, you have your dessert, you have your coffee, and they're going to start the awards banquet. And so the way that the Portrait Society does it, it's basically process of elimination. There's 24 finalists, and they're going to work their way up to the grand prize winner. Okay. And so by this time, the 24 finalists they're all going to get some kind of an award all of the you know of the thousands of entries there's so many finalists and so many uh certificate of excellence uh top 50 all of these other things so they've narrowed it down to 24 people who they're all going to get a certificate you know they're all going to get something Mm -hmm. and so it's not like five people have been nominated for the grand prize and then we're going to select one so you're you have to wait for 24 or 23 other people to be elim- not eliminated but for them 
uh, by process of elimination, their names to be called before they get to the grand prize. And so, you know, they start with the 10, I forget, I think they call it awards of merit or something like that. It's the, it would be the bottom 10 um, uh, uh, of the 24, not that they're, you know, lesser, but those would be the first names called. And they call one at a time and then they read something about that individual artist and that person then goes up on the stage and they receive their award. So this is not a quick thing. You're waiting and waiting and waiting. And I keep thinking my name's going to be called any moment so I can get this <laughs> over with. And they, you know, they, they the bottom 10, they do alphabetically. So you're waiting for the K's, you oh. know, to come by. So when it comes, if anyone, you know, the last name starts with K, uh, there was an individual, I don't recall the, the name, and their name started with K, and the next letter was U. So as soon as that name was called, you, I knew that my my name hadn't been called yet because it just skipped okay. to KU. Yeah, you understand. So, so by then, when that happened, everyone at my table starts looking and pointing at me. You know, like ah, you know, your your name hasn't been called yet. You know, and then it just so, goes on and on. Okay, wait, maybe I missed something there. D- does that mean that you? We're in the running for the top one, or so and, and that the, meant that I was not part of the bottom ten. Oh, okay, so there was okay. fourteen more. Okay, so the remaining fourteen would be, I don't know what they how I'm, I'm not sure of the proper way of of saying this, but like placeholders, like fifth place. There was a first place in drawing, first place in sculpture. There'd be a first place in painting. So I don't I don't remember all the numbers, but there'd be fourteen places left okay so you knew by the time it skipped to to the k's and my name wasn't called i knew that okay i wasn't part of this the group of 10 i would be part of the whatever the the remaining 14 were okay and so by then there's kind of this buzz you know Mm -hmm. and obviously i'm not included in the drawing or in the sculpture so that eliminates that so you you basically everyone starts to put it together because it's process of elimination so you know that it's a it's a high ranking prize and then of course you know it could be the grand prize and i thought there's just no way and my i I was so i was almost sick sitting there (laughs) i thought (laughs) i thought i was gonna have diarrhea or something you know (laughs) I mean, it was so awful. <laughs> I, I'm I'm shaking. I'm literally, and I'm not a nervous person. Uh-huh. But, you know, it's fun talking about this with you because we jumped out of a plane together. It felt like I was going to jump. The same feeling oh, as jumping yeah. out of yeah. the plane. Uh-huh. I'm, I'm serious. It was just, it was so nerve-wracking. <laughs> I don't know why. And so then, um, so, okay, it, now... First place in drawing, first place in sculpture, all of these other awards, and now it's down to two. But I'm not keeping up. Like I'm not doing the math because I'm so confused and I'm so nervous. I don't know how many people are left. Yeah, and you're about so, to pass out anyways. <laughs> right. Yeah, they're gonna have to pick me up off the floor. So now it's down. They're gonna announce first place in painting, and so. Everyone else knows that that means when they announce the first place in painting, they're also announcing whoever the grand prize winner is because that's all that's left. Yeah. But I'm not so certain of this. And so they announce the first place in painting and it's not me. Yeah. 
It's another amazing artist who did a fantastic painting. Just unbelievably good. Yeah. And by when they announce him as the first place in painting, everybody is looking at me and pointing like, it's you. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm looking back like, no, no, no. There's, <laughs> like, there's no, still... seriously. Yeah. yeah, no. I mean, they're all like, Daniel, it is you. You, you won. And there's like this pause. <laughs> Stop laughing. <laughs> there's this pause because they kind of let that, you know, I mean, you don't want to take everything away from the first place in painting the the winner of that so that that person's getting their award and all of that yeah. michael shane neal is the one uh emceeing it and he's the one announcing it so there's this pause and then finally <laughs> he's like and now the the grand and the, and this is the only thing that i remember i don't remember the words that were said i don't remember what people looked like i don't remember anything yeah, yeah. except yeah. funny enough the thing that i can replay in my mind clearly is looking down uh, sitting in my seat just looking down at the table and hearing him say my name just the grand the the william draper grand prize winner goes to daniel j keys and just kind of looking up and thinking this can't be I, i think i even said as I'm walking up there, everyone that, that, you know, you stop and people are like, oh, they're so excited for you. I, I just keep looking at them like, this can't be. No, like, this is, this just can't be. And then you go up and you get your uh, award and, and they read beautiful things about you and, and they say all of these wonderful things. And I don't remember any of it. Fortunately, I've watched some videos since then so that I can kind of see it. Um, because I, I feel like I wasn't even there. Right. You know, mm-hmm. um, just because it was so, it, you know, it was just a shock. I just did not, I just didn't expect it. It was such a surprise. Um, and I, I'm terribly grateful. I mean, I, I, uh, w- what has happened since then is I'll, I'll be driving in my car and every once in a while I'll think about it and I kind of scream to myself, you know, yeah. in, in shock still. Um, like, Oh my God, I can't believe that this happened. <laughs> so they call your name and then they, uh, I could see a little video where they, I think read, you know, read your, your bio to the audience. Then did you say anything? No, no. So there was not, uh, that wasn't part of the ceremony uh, type thing. They just, they present you with your, yeah this, this beautiful trophy and uh, a a check um, in a, and a certificate and um, other prizes and things and then that you know um, that's it which was great I'm so glad because I, I don't know what I would have said yeah. <laughs> I probably would have just mumbled like this is a mistake <laughs> you know <laughs> um, they'd so I'm, to, I'm really yeah they'd have had to play, play to. you off with some, some yeah some of yeah. that like Emmy's music or whatever it is yeah, yeah. What were some of the comments about that painting? Well, uh, so before that night and even after the next the next day, people would come up and they'd they'd say how much they loved the painting, which is wonderful and and I so enjoy knowing that people respond to it. But there were some specific comments that 
because that painting was in my show and so I had mm -hmm. a lot of people say nice things about it but this the the exhibit was open throughout the whole conference so people had four days that they could go in at any time during breaks mm -hmm. and they would they'd go and they'd study the paintings and they would spend time like real quality time with them and so I think they responded deeper or more more deeply to it and some of them one of them that stood out to me was I, I think the reason it, it resonated was when I painted it, when I created the painting, it wasn't a commission. So it wasn't about the specific children who modeled. It was about this scene. Mm -hmm. And and it's not specifically narrative either. So it's not telling a specific story because I didn't want it to be my own narrative. I wanted it to be a scene that people could create their own narrative. So it wasn't specific to the children. It wasn't specific to a story. It was just like we were observing a moment. Yeah. And um, and so people, it's like they got that. Yeah. And, and one comment that stood out to me was this uh, woman um, just beautifully expressing how she felt about the painting, just that, uh, it, rem it reminded her not just of her children, but of what all children at some point, they, they, they live, um, like that's part of childhood. Yeah. That innocence, that um, curiosity, you know, the little boy looking at the bird, the little girl reading while holding her, her stuffed animals. Um, just that fleeting moment that is part of the human experience mm -hmm. of 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 being innocent of being a child and uh so she said that and it was so moving to me that she responded to it in that way because that's that you know that's how i intended it yeah you know that it that that message came across clearly enough uh that people could could respond to it that way and, and of course people look at it and they think of their children um, which is wonderful too, but to think of just childhood, to think of that part of the human experience that most people go through. Whole, I mean, all children should have, not all do, but um, so that that was kind of nice, yeah. you know, to, to have people spend a good amount of time with it. That's cool. I was thinking again this morning a little bit about a conversation that you and I had had about the difference between... And I'm, I don't know that I'm going to be able to, to say this very well, but the difference between idealizing something and, and like an icon. And, right. And in paintings that are iconic, which I think that maybe in, in one sense of that word, that painting is iconic in that it draws people in to, it draws their gaze to something beyond just what is there on canvas right um and it's all these things that you're talking about it draws their gaze and reminds them of their childhood and their kids and that common experience that we all have yeah and you know it's it's a scene full of antiques and and tapestry and all of that and so that doesn't mean that what what's so great about it is that what that's not necessarily my childhood 
you know, and, and yet I can look at it and think of my childhood. Mm-hmm. So I think that that I think that you're right. Um, just when when it's um, a message about something that's so universal, yeah, it can still have specific things in it. But as long as the artist doesn't, unless it's the artist's intention to make it specific, but in my case, it it was more vague. It was about this human experience um, that anyone could then impose their their version mm-hmm. of that experience mm-hmm. or it would ev- it would evoke those memories of their own experience um and i don't know that i've ever painted anything that necessarily does that yeah uh before so this this was really the whole experience is just i'm still reeling you know um but i do like that it just sort of happened you know, it seemed so organic and, and natural and it was a painting that I just wanted to do. Um, and so I didn't paint it so that people would necessarily respond to it. And I think it it turned out better because of that, you know, just following my own instinct mm-hmm. and and trying to express my own feelings. Um, and yeah, and, it, you know, to have all of my art heroes... Uh, so many of them there and saying such wonderful things about it and to have them like the painting or choose the painting or just, you know, want to to tell me how much they enjoyed it. it, it, it the whole experience is something I, I'm always going to remember. Do you know, who is it that, that ultimately does choose the painting? Do you know how that works? Well, it's a it's a group of, of them. I, I Again, I don't... There was there's so much I don't remember. Um, Mr. Shane Neal did read off the names of the the judges, but I don't remember all of them because I I just it was hard for me to mm-hmm. to process anything. Um, but I I I I think uh, and so I don't want to say because right. I, yeah. I don't I don't want to misquote. Sure. I wanted to ask you about uh, you you quickly mentioned there some of the other artists that were there and some of those artists. You know, saying really nice things to you. Any anything in particular there that you'd like to share? Well, uh, I think that the idea of it being obviously, I I, I mentioned earlier the the artists who I love, like Sargent and Richard Schmidt, and so I think the most the thing that stands out the most to me is that people recognize that, but they're they're somehow interpreting what I'm doing as my own thing. And I, I remember hearing different art heroes, you know, uh, just talk about painting using your own voice and seeing them do that mm-hmm. and wanting to kind of get to the place where I feel that I'm doing that. Right. And, and I still feel I have so far to go, but... For them to recognize that, I think, is really extraordinary. Um, uh, for me, I mean, it, it really yeah, yeah marks you, my thinking. When you look at that painting, instantly I know, oh, that's Daniel Keyes painted that. But also, I think I'm I'm not thinking, oh, he's trying to be like so and so. Oh, good. Yeah, it's good. And yeah, so those two things. Are, well, are what's I think the funniest 
part to me is because I've always studied like Richard's work so much and, and so many others, but I've never intentionally wanted to paint something that people would look at and say, oh, you must like Sargent. Mm-hmm. And and he is so far above anything I have ever done or could do. So I'm not comparing myself to him. But I am finding it interesting that this I, that people are that they are making that comment like that they're seeing my appreciation for his work particularly in this painting because i wasn't trying to do that that was not that was not ever an intention of mine um but i guess it just sort of happens if you study someone's work or you you admire it it kind of comes out and um i think in this case more than any other the case of any other painting that i've done that seemed to to show through and mm-hmm. and and resonate with people a bit. Do you know where like where does this painting go from here? Is it owned now by So anybody? it's going back it's going back to uh Legacy Gallery. Okay. And um they will they'll have it. They have some collectors uh looking at it. So um hopefully it will be sold soon um if not i i would be happy to keep it yeah that's pretty cool (laughs) but but they've invested just in the way of um using it for their catalog and advertising and magazines with it so they they really deserve the right to to keep it for a while and and sell it um but if not i'm i'm gonna hang it on my own wall cool all right we're Do you gonna, want to see what some of the questions yeah, are? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I'm just seeing if I have any other things that, uh, that we saw. Do you know, um, I had done a little bit of research right before this about William F. Draper. Do you know much about him? No, I don't. Did you find anything? Yeah, so, I mean, just on Wikipedia. He, yeah, it's kind of an interesting, he's an interesting guy. He, he was, uh, it says here that he was a, uh, prodigy, a child prodigy on the piano. Oh, and um, and then later, later on, I think, like, it makes it seem. Yeah, later on, he he kind of switched and um, got into art, and went to all these different academies and and things. Hmm. But he's hmm. like one of the only. I think he is the only artist to have ever painted JFK from life. Oh really? Yeah. Is that painting in the National Gallery? Um. I mean, is it, it like a formal portrait? Yeah, it said where where it's at. I'm not sure. He did several portraits of him, but at one time, for one of them, he painted him right from life, which okay. is pretty cool because, you know. Yeah. yeah so, okay, so yeah. Draper was the only artist to paint JFK from life in 1962. Draper flew to. Palm Beach, Florida, where Kennedy sat for a sketch, uh, which Draper used as a reference for several other commissioned portraits of Kennedy, among them hmm. the Harvard Uni- uh, the Harvard University and National Portrait Gallery at the Smithsonian Institute. So, yeah, hmm. there you go. Okay. Yeah, so you'll have to look look up a little more about him as we go. But yeah, let's move on to... I, I really enjoyed uh, putting out some... Uh, invitations for people to comment in and and ask questions to you yeah looks like we've got quite a few here Um, yeah and and then you have i see this smirk on your face i know you have (laughs) 
some extra questions that I'm I'm getting a little nervous about. Oh yeah, they're they're fine. I'm just excited to tell you who, just to okay. tell you who it, who it was that messaged in. Um, okay. All right, let's start with. Wow, they, there's really a lot here. Well, do you want me to go through and just kind of give a quick answer, or? Yeah, I... because like the one here, um, the about. Uh, First of all, they're saying congratulations, which thank you for all of the congratulations. But um, telling more about the painting, which we, we did talk about it, but uh, this person asks, what was your idea? What inspired you? What does the painting mean to you? We kind of talked about what it meant, but I should say one of the things that did inspire me is I've always wanted, I've always had these ideas of paintings with still life and, and kind of big setups with particularly with children reading. And um, these two children, I should mention, are uh, the, the children of an artist friend of mine here in Fresno. And he's the art professor at the uh, State University here. And so he, his children are perfect little angels. They were just so good to sit for me. And, um, and I think because their father is an artist, they're, they're kind of accustomed to being around artists and and they did such a good job of feeling the role of what my idea mm -hmm. has been for so long and and so um now i, I you know i i want to paint them a hundred more times um just because they're they're well they're beautiful and they're they're such good little um sports for for sitting for me and I did a study, oh, because one of the other questions um, this might answer too, I did a study of them from life. So I actually painted them separately from life. And then I took photo references um, and everything else in the painting was done from life. So all the flowers, the background, the, the candles, the birdcage, all of that was done from life. And then had I not done the study of the children, uh, there's no way I would have been able to paint them um, as lifelike as, as I was able to had I not done that, that study. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that, um, that sort of answers. That, uh, I texted another artist friend of mine who, um, I don't think you've met him, but he, he wanted to know, um, yeah, kind of your process. Do you, did you paint that from photos, from life, right. all that, so... Uh, and that's well, from my friend Andy. So thanks. Andy. Well, thank you, Andy. Um, I don't have a process. That's the thing, um, because this was not something that I paint very much, right. and and everybody knows me as the flower painter. So I kind of get a kick out of uh -huh. out of out of that. Um, and I never paint still lives from from photos. I always paint from life, which I'm so glad because that has taught me how to see properly. And even now. If I do have to paint something from a photo, uh, because obviously children are not going to sit as long as I need them to, so I did have to rely on photos. Uh, had I not had all the years and years of painting from life, I don't think I would be able to paint from a photo and the painting turn out as though it were painted from life. Yeah. So I'm taking all of that life study into, those, into this kind of work so that it looks more fresh and, and as though it were not painted from a photograph. 
And so I'm always trying to tell people to learn your lessons from life painting. Do not learn how to paint from painting from photos. Even if you want to paint a subject that you only have photos for, go paint something else that you can paint from life first. Mm. Let let that become the the uh, create the you know as you're creating neuron neural pathways in your brain. Sure. Yeah. Create those neural pathways from life painting, and then go a- after after you learn how to paint that way. Then go and paint from photos. Right. Don't do it the other way around because what will happen is if you learn how to paint from photos, and I have seen this, then even when you do paint from life, those paintings are going to look like you painted from photo reference mm. because you have programmed your mind to see the way that that fo- the, to see the way that a camera does instead of the way that your eyes interpret things and then transmit that information to your brain. Uh, so I, I, I'm so glad that I did it in this order that I learned to paint from life and now when I do paint from a photograph, it still looks like I'm painting from life. Yeah. And not the other way around. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay, so I want to be able to... to uh, to just say like okay this is this is what i want like when i <laughs> was imagining uh you know this this whole podcast thing i was like ken writes in if one song could describe your feelings right now what would it be it would be i i responded to him on instagram too it would it would be i came in like a wrecking ball <laughs> which is it's stupid. That's not really how I feel. It's just kind of funny because I'm a flower painter and, <laughs> and like, oops, uh, you know, so. <laughs> and that's such a hard question. Like, I'm never thinking of songs and names of songs that like I could pull out of my yeah. head. Yeah. So. All right. He, he also writes, uh, would you have rather puked up on stage or have had your pants fall down? Oh my god. If I have to answer that, <laughs> I'd say pants falling down. Okay. Cuz that's easier to fix. Yeah, and it's just you dealing with it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it it doesn't linger as long as the oh, first man. part. Yeah. yeah. And then seriously now, he writes, <laughs> uh is the uh portrait something you are going to include in a more regular basis uh after after a big win? Well, that's uh, something that I have kind of addressed um, in myself over the years. I I want to incorporate humans into, you know, the, the uh, uh, people into my paintings. I'm not necessarily interested in painting portraits. Right. So, to me, a portrait is like, uh, it's a personal thing that means something to that individual or to people who paint portraits and appreciate them but i'm i'm not i'm not so interested in that apart from the study of the human face Mm -hmm. as far as my artwork goes as far as me expressing myself goes i want to painting portraits is a means of of um becoming confident at painting people so that I can incorporate them into what I'm already doing. So I, I want to paint people with flowers or in a garden or doing something or in, you know, amidst a still life. I don't necessarily want to paint portraits. Yeah. 
Um, and so that's what's different about that was the other thing about this painting the reason why I thought it'll never get in is because it's not a portrait yeah the children aren't even looking at the you know the viewer or the artist um, one is clearly just a profile and the other is looking down at a book so it's not really a portrait you can't even see the whole faces um, and that's what I want to paint I, I want to become familiar with the face, um, so I may do portrait painting as a means of study, but as a means of expressing myself and, and using my voice, I want it to be more than a portrait. I, I want it, not that portraits aren't wonderful, and, and they are, but as far as personally for me, I just want to incorporate it into what I'm already doing and what I love painting. Yeah, I like that. Um, I like uh, Papa Carlos writes, uh, what's the best path for someone that's leaving high school to follow if they want to become a professional painter? Well, the we've answered this question a lot in different podcasts and it's, it's, it's still the same uh, answer. I, I'm telling people all the time, priority number one should be to develop skill because you may have all kinds of opportunity come your way, but if you're not skilled enough uh, in your your ability to paint, what good are those opportunities? And I think people look for opportunities before or ahead of really looking for uh, developing their skills. So if you're just leaving high school, um, you know, first of all, be encouraged and know that you can do it and anyone can do it, no matter what anyone says. And look for places, look for people, look for instruction that will help you develop your painting or drawing skills. And so whether that means going to uh, an art school, an atelier, or going to study with an artist whose work you really like, or just working on your own, however you choose to do it. And there's always more than one path. So don't let anyone convince you that there's only one way. There's, there's more than one way. You just have to figure out what works best for you. Mm -hmm. But make, make your number, number one goal how do I become the most skillful artist I could possibly be? Okay. That should that should be the 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 number one thought. And maybe this is uh, <laughs> maybe this is kind of along a lot of these same lines. But this Dan comes from our good friend Dashel. Oh, cool! Yeah. Hi, Dash. And uh, he he texted me the other day and was asking. Uh, you know what paints could he get and uh he's getting back into painting it seems and good he's he uh as far as i know he's living out in seattle yeah um, excellent and for those who don't know uh dash which is probably everybody uh dash worked at the gallery uh, a couple of years ago and and he's just an awesome person so um <laughs> yeah. we we miss we miss you dad i miss him um how did you deal with yeah, how did you deal with struggles and, and frustration when you first began painting? And also, well, also, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that, that question is easy to answer. A Japanese maple. Uh, <laughs> now that I, 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 I want to know. That I can answer. Okay. Yeah. You want to know why? I, yeah, I want to know why. Why, why a Japanese why, maple? Yeah. Because yeah. they're the most they're beautiful and interesting and they're they're art they look like mm -hmm. art mm -hmm. you know they're all trees are beautiful but these are they're smaller and they they i don't know like the, the if you, you have to look one up 
Like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing it right I'm now. I'm totally, I'm totally nerding out here. So <laughs> they, they, their leaves are sort of like horizontal. Uh, they're a, a miniature maple leaf, but their leaves kind of grow horizontal, horizontally. And then there's different kinds where they'll arch or uh. they'll grow in really beautiful, abstracted kind of shapes. And um, oh yes, uh, yeah, they're, they're they're my favorite. Yep. So that question was super easy to answer because I'm a plant nerd. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Okay. Do you got any thoughts on that? Uh, you know, how do you deal with, with struggles and frustration when you're first starting out? Well, first of all, the, the, um, the part of that question I would want to correct is that it is not only in the first, like mm, the beginning yes. years. It, that lingers. That, that just continues um, and you become more skillful in your ability to to paint and express yourself, but there are still you, you're always reaching, you're always growing, and part of that process is struggle. Yeah. And so I think that the best thing to do is to learn to love the struggle, or to learn to not hope for more of it, but just to learn to appreciate its part, uh, the part that it plays in growing. Mm-hmm. Growth includes pain. I mean, even physically, you know, we talk about growing pains. That is part of the stretching. It's part of the growing process of everything. And so don't look to not have it. Just look to understand its place. Yeah. And um, so it gets easier. It gets better. The process becomes more enjoyable. There's nothing more frustrating than feeling like you don't know what you're doing. But know that just like anything else, the more knowledge you acquire, uh, the, the, the more that you understand the place that struggle has. And so it doesn't bother you as much. Mm-hmm. And, and then you start to accumulate successes and, and you can always look back on those and like, okay, I, I did produce something that I, I'm okay with. And so you know that there's more of that ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, but know that there's no escape. There's no escaping the struggle. You're, you'll, you have to go through it. You have to experience it. It's not bad. It's, it's just part of the whole process. And it's only people who will continue and to push through it and not quit, not give up. They're the only ones that are ever going to get on the other side yeah. of that struggle. Yeah, I remember. I mean, so Daniel and I, um, we, we've been talking uh, recently about some of this just within my own life and I, and I appreciate what you said to me a while back about I mean my own painting career and and I'm kind of somebody who who gets excited about lots of different things and I I become 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 obsessed with um with what's what's new what's fun and exciting and often then the painting uh painting in my life kind of gets put on the back burner and and then it's hard when I when I jump back into it so and Dan feel free to to chime in here but I just remember and I'm grateful for that conversation where you kind of said I think you need to spend more time and and make painting a kind of non-negotiable part of your life where you're you're always doing Mm. that 
Do you re- do you remember that conversation? We were I remember about? having different conversations about it. I don't remember that specifically. Yeah, I'm just lately in my own life, I'm I'm realizing the need for the consistent yeah. showing up yeah. and just putting in those those hours at the easel um, day after day. Right. And the the benefits of that, I can, I mean, just looking back over the last couple of months, the amount of work that I've been able to produce. Yeah. And that a lot of those have yeah. sold. Right. And it's just, even if I'm not really feeling like it, feeling like painting, what happens is I start, I might start out the painting and the first 15 minutes I'm not really feeling like it. But then after about 15 minutes, my brain yeah. goes, okay, like, fine. Yeah. Uh, if we're going to do this, we might as well do a good right. job. Um, well, it's... I mean, it's like I just said. The our our culture runs away from struggle. We mm-hmm. we live in a time in a place we're very fortunate to have all that we have, and so we've not had to struggle in the same ways that previous civilizations, you know, have had to in order to survive or in order to progress. And so, but the the thing of it is, without the struggle, you never end up on the other side of it. And so you'll Mm -hmm. never, you'll always be confronted with that same struggle. You'll never overcome it unless you overcome it, you know. And so Mm -hmm. um, learning to just embrace that as part of the whole process, to know it's one of the ingredients, it's not a bad thing, um... It's just part of it is is really big. I, I think, and and you know, I know I, my one of my weaknesses is I want to do what I'm good at, mm-hmm. and that's why I probably, I think that's why uh, sometimes when I should be painting a portrait, I'll paint flowers because like, well, I already know how to do that, you know, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we want to we want to have an outcome that we're sure is going to be good and we're going to feel good about. But we have to, at times, that's okay, but we have to also do the things that are, are going to hurt a little bit. And mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. we don't, we'll never get to the other side of that pain, uh, which, is, which yeah. on the other side of it is joy. On, on the yeah. other side of that is, is wonderful um, growth and progress. And you just, it's like exercising you know, unless you go through the pain of working out, you never end up on the other side of it, which is to feel really good about having worked out and the benefits mm-hmm. that your body experiences of of regular exercise. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I think so many things mm-hmm. in life are, are like that. Mm-hmm. All right. Ryan Melody. Oh, Ryan. Uh, <laughs> texted in. And, uh, and, and he asked a couple questions that maybe we've kind of already covered, but, uh, the one that, um, that I want to ask now is, uh, just have your thoughts on composition changed over the years. You know, that's funny. Um, I don't know that they have, I, that's a good question. I think that maybe I have helped myself understand what it is I want, but, 
that was one of the first things that I kind of studied in other people's works. I would look at how they were designing things and if I responded to it positively, I would try to analyze why I liked it. And then I would try to repeat that in my own work. And I think I'm still holding to some of those ideas even all these years later. Um, So, yeah, I think that was one of the that that just sort of happened for me so early on that it's it's been a long time since I've even thought about it. Um, can you go can you go any more in depth on some of those ideas, some of the things that you that you saw? Well, can you describe yeah, them? funny enough, Mr. Melody, it <laughs> it's it's uh, the melody. <laughs> it it's like music for me, and a lot mm. of people use that analogy. I'm not the only one, of course, but this idea of it not being a stagnant kind of horizontal line, but rather this up and down rhythm, this melody, this um, uh, almost musical composition of connecting notes together right. and having some big and some soft, and um, but having them connect and so that you're moving through this painting as though it were a a piece of music, you know, and it has this big kind of leading up to this big moment, but then having all these little compliments um, as well. And so the only thing that has maybe changed is I, in painting larger, I am exploring that same idea just on a grander scale. And then introducing new elements, how do they fit into that same idea? So introducing people you know, how do I incorporate them so that they're still part, they become like a note in that piece of, of music. Um, and so maybe that's why I said what I did about not necessarily wanting to paint portraits because with a portrait, it sometimes can be just this single note and right. rather wanting to incorporate them into the piece of music and see how they how they could play a role in something bigger Um and that's what I'm exploring now as far as design goes. Ryan is so, he's so um, adept at perceiving design. I, I remember everywhere mm-hmm. we would go, you know, he could kind of, whether it was something in print or even a building, the way it's, it's designed, he's so adept at, at recognizing that. And so I, um, I'm not surprised at that question from him these notes that you're talking about i'm i'm imagining that thought process as you're like setting up a still life and and picking the objects Uh that are there and and setting you know like a a bigger object and and then a and a smaller object and light and dark objects together and that kind of thing but is it also are you also looking for those opportunities to have that kind of varying melody happening say within like the line on a the ridge line on a mountain or really yeah. the line around around anything right. well that's the thing it's it's not specific to a subject or an object yeah. and it's not even specific to objects within the painting it could be brushwork i think that's what i'm trying to yeah, yeah it could be uh color and yep. for me, more so than subject, it's value. So it's values. It's mm. the lights and the darks. 
So it could be anything, but I'm trying to connect the lights and the darks and not just connect them, but keep them from being stagnant by varying them in their placement <coughs> and yes. finding creative ways of, of um, connecting them. Nature does this so well. That's why landscape painting, you, you could have lots of fun with this because you look at like what a stream does and how it organically uh, moves and, and creates a design based on the environment. Um, and you, you get these beautiful um, paths and, and um, angles and, and different things all connecting. Uh, so there's pattern, there's, there's different things in, in nature that lend themselves to being beautiful design. Um, and trying to do that. I think with my paintings, I, I most explored that with the flowers, just the florals, even more so than the still lives. Just having flowers be right. a means of, of creating interesting design and connecting things. And um, it, has, it has helped still life not be boring, too. Um, because still life, for so many years, just I think a lot of people did not see it as interesting and I've worked really hard to make it interesting by designing it in an unconventional way. It's still traditional, but it's, it's designed perhaps more um, thoughtfully. Mm -hmm. And people have responded to that. Oh, I just had something and I, and I lost my, my question that I was holding <laughs> in my head there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Hold on. Well, <laughs> uh, I texted Richie to see if he had anything. Oh, he said. He said. Uh, um, I I don't know. Uh, what's your favorite color? <laughs> and then and then he says, I feel like you'll ask the most meaningful, important questions, Tyler. And I said, Well, mostly I'm looking for an excuse to say, Richie writes. What's your favorite color, Dan? Oh, that's that's funny. Uh, well, I definitely I don't have a I don't have a favorite color. My favorite color is dependent on my mood. I think, mm -hmm. but that's always a hard you, thing to say. Yeah. Do you find like the stuff that you put into your house, uh, the way, you know, is there like kind of an overall color scheme that happens throughout your life? Your yeah, house? actually more kind of natural earth tones. So, okay. which is so funny because my paintings are so bright and colorful so many times. Um, but I tend to be attracted to, more earthy um, colors and stuff in in other people's works and uh, in you know interior design or in architecture stone you know the colors of, of stone and and dirt <laughs> you know all of that kind of stuff I'm I'm really um, attracted to uh, Rebecca uh, Finch who's written in before uh -huh. uh, says uh, what art related podcasts or magazines do you do you subscribe to? I don't. I don't subscribe to any magazines. I only listen to um, Tyler's art-related podcasts. Um, although I, yes. I do, I do <laughs> like suggested donation. I listen to that from time to time, which is Tony Serenai and Edward. Oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank on his last name. But anyway, a suggested podcast. Uh, it's really entertaining, and they usually interview um, some pretty amazing artists, and it's it's a lot of fun. But whatever Tyler puts out, that's just what I listen to. 
Oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> so, um, uh, Raleigh asks, uh, he says, Hi, Daniel, I think you painted Innocence Away From Home. How did you prepare? Did you have a preconceived idea and size in mind? Um, and then he says, it's beautiful. Thank you, uh, Raleigh. I appreciate that. Um, so I, I talked a little bit about the idea, but I did paint it outside of my own studio. So um, the uh, artist I mentioned, whose children I painted, he's the professor at the art university. I mean, at the um, California University here. And so over Christmas break, um, I had access to the art department at the university, and it's this beautiful north light uh, coming into the uh, main studio and so I had that to myself and um, so I did the painting there and funny enough the painting is 40 by 45 inches now it was originally supposed to be 45 by 45 uh, it was a panel a Raymar art panel uh, L64 linen that I ordered 45 by 45 specifically for this painting but <clears throat> I had to cut one side of it before I painted it because it wouldn't fit in my car to take it to the other studio. So it's now 40 by 45 instead of 45 by 45 because of that reason. <laughs> uh, Aren't you glad to know sorry, I, all I, of this behind the, you know, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I was, I was reading some of these other questions there. So I think I might've missed, did you paint it? No. As a 45 by 45 first? No, no. So I, I, no, you yeah, were just intending. I intended okay. it and then I cut it yep. before I painted it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, cause it's not like you've ever, uh, you know, had to cut a painting down that you've already. Right. Painted. Right. Yes, I have. You know I have. We could go into we could go into the shipping problem oh, that whole God. thing, but yeah. <laughs> just just really briefly go into that, and then I want to talk about what's next. Sure, and, uh, sure. And uh, wrap this thing. Sure. Up. So no one wants to ship art. I don't want to paint anything big again that I need to have it there by a certain time, because any all the main carriers do not want to ship art. Um, and this one was large enough that it had to be shipped freight. So it's particularly the freight parts or departments of those carriers that they don't want to ship art. And so I, it took me two days of calling around and, and I ended up, um, one of the carriers, I, I paid and they were going to come pick up the painting and everything seemed great. And then uh, I got a call from the man who was going to come to my house and pick it up. And he, he, I had only told him that it was a frame. And so he asked, he said, okay, I'm going to be there in a few minutes and, and pick this up. And so he, but he was smart. He said, um, what's in the frame? And not wanting to lie, I'm like, uh, 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 a painting? <laughs> and he immediately said, I'm not picking it up. And I, I, oh. I was so frustrated. I said, what the heck am I supposed to do? You guys aren't going to come and pick this up. How am I supposed to get this across the country if no one wants to be responsible? No one wants to ship it. And he just wouldn't budge. He said, I, he goes, we, we do not ship art. Uh, you know, that's just what we, you know, that's just what we do and, or don't do. And then finally, FedEx Freight. Shout out to FedEx Freight. Thank you very much. But... It, the only option was three-day freight. There was no option to do just ground. 
So it, mm-hmm. it ended up costing $1,200 one, one way. One way, $1,200. And the funniest part was I literally live across the street from the uh, FedEx uh, drop-off location, a postal annex. I literally... I'm not saying that just like, oh, it's nearby. No, it is literally across the street from me. But this box is so big and so heavy, I can't lift it and I can't, I can't carry it and it won't fit in my car. Because now it's not just 40 by 45, it's plus the frame, plus the yeah. box that it's in. And I've cut it, the box down as small as I could, but it still won't yeah. fit in my car. So I have to go across town, rent a U-Haul pickup, come back, to take it across the street. <laughs> so it was not just the $1,200, it was also the cost of a rental uh, U-Haul. I have to ask, a dolly wouldn't work? Oh, so I thought about that, but then the streets, you know, I don't live, it, Fresno is a city, but it's not a big city where everyone's walking, like the streets are narrow. The streets are really wide yeah. and extremely okay. busy, and the street that, I would have to cross. People are driving like 60 miles an hour. Oh, okay. And so I thought, I, I did think about it. I thought, I, if, it, about if it took that, I would have done it. But um, it just wouldn't have been safe and who knows what would have. <laughs> it would have been, yeah. would have been like a game of frog. <laughs> right, exactly. I and the painting would have been scattered all over the street. So it wouldn't have been good. I was wondering, uh, so you won this prize does that also come with a with a cash payout? Yeah, so it was twenty thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! Yeah, isn't that amazing? That is. Yeah, <laughs> that's really awesome. I know, I know that. Oh gosh, I I still, I just it's so I still can't wrap my head around it. Well, it paid off. Well, okay, I guess I need to enter Portrait Society next. Yes, time. everybody, everybody need, needs to enter it, and then keep entering it because it's you know being a i've been a judge with things before and and people they and it's understandable they get their feelings hurt because they'll do this beautiful painting and it won't get in and so i i do want to say keep keep entering competitions just don't don't become too attached to the outcome because so many wonderful things get overlooked not because the judge intended to overlook it but because it's so hard to go through images I mean, I've judged mm-hmm. I've judged competitions before, and then looked back and thought, "God, why did I skip over that?" Or, or you know, you're you're. It so much depends on that specific moment that you're going through all these images, and it's so easy to skip over something and not mean to, and and um, so. But everybody should enter it. It's just a wonderful and, opportunity. And um, what what's the? There's a fee to enter, right? And it's really minimal. I think it's like forty bucks or or something like that i mean it was really really minimal and you can enter three 40 and um you said there's like how many entries well total like the people oh i know what you're doing i can see i can see your face (laughs) Uh well that's the thing and this one is really nice because it's a non-profit so all of this money goes toward not just the prizes, but it goes towards scholarships. You know, uh, actually, um, someone that you know or or met, do you remember Morgan Irons mm-hmm. from Montana? Yeah. So she got a scholarship. She was able to come to the conference. And yep. so many young 
people are able to attend and they get to meet all these people and see art you know from artists that they admire and and she had come up to me after the um uh gala or the next day and just said how how much it meant to her to see all of this and even to see me win the award because it gives people hope that they can do this and that there mm-hmm. there's a mm-hmm. there's a future in them pursuing a career as an artist you know yeah. it shows them that not only that but shows i think it's so wonderful to see an artist who has worked really hard be appreciated mm-hmm. you know so in the case of me winning the award how wonderful for me but then yeah. it's not just me how wonderful it is for people to see cuz they know how hard i've worked my whole life to do what i do and to be good at what i do to see that not just be discounted but to see it be appreciated and to see it be respected it means so much you know um to, right. to everyone so everyone should enter and um or become a member or become involved in whatever is around your area and yeah we should all we should all keep this going and and um be a part of it yep shout out to morgan she's doing really great work yeah morgan irons on instagram if you want to follow her i remember you said that that was one of the artists that you're inspired by these days yeah I, i i went on her instagram and and was really impressed with um some of the work on there just beautiful design and um, yeah. yeah, so many artists, you know, that's, that's the really great thing too. I met, um, this one of the, everyone should also look up the finalist of the drawing, uh, first place in drawing, um, from the, the awards. Uh, his name is Leon. I don't want to mispronounce his name. I think it's Doucette, but just look up first place award in drawing from this portrait society, um, competition young uh guy really amazing art and that's what's so nice you meet not just the names that you know and that you've heard of for so long but just some new inspiring uh up-and-coming art and artists too okay what's next for us dan what are what's going on you and i are doing a show that's what's next that's true what's next before that though you're going to europe Yes, yeah, so I'm going to go to um, Italy, I'm going to spend a bit of time uh, over there and teach a workshop um, and hopefully do some, you know, know, actually what would be nice is, though it's not necessarily painting people, but I love to paint the the statues, I love to paint the sculptures over there, which are figurative, Mm -hmm. and, um, and then... Oh, there's another artist whose work I've been, um, <laughs> and actually, no, and the reason it makes me think of it is because I think she's going to be over there and we're going to try to meet up. Her name is Rachel Parsonet, I think. Um, I'll have to look up her, her last name, but, um, so yeah, so I might do, you know, maybe she'll let me paint her, uh, in, <laughs> in Florence, but yeah, so that's, that's something I'm excited about to go over there and to paint. Okay, so you go there, and then um, we've got the 50-year anniversary of right. Montana Gallery opening, so we're going to have, I think it's the first Friday of June, so I need to start working on all that, getting everything ready to go. I'm going to try to get new works from at least a couple paintings uh, from 
a lot of the different artists that have been a part of the gallery over the years. And um, there's a few ideas floating around in my brain that we'll see if we can pull some of them together uh, for that. So that's going to be pretty cool. And then we've got, not sure what we're doing yet for August. Oh, we're going to have a trip. We're going to uh, try to get together uh, several people, uh, kind of Young Guns group again, and uh, at some point in July probably have a little little trip in Montana. And uh, so there will be sort of the annual Young Guns Montana trip show uh, that will probably be available the first part of August. And then I'm glad the, to, I'm glad to hear all of this. <laughs> yes. And then the yeah. by the way, yeah, by the way, okay. This is good to know you're the, making plans. Good. Yeah. And then uh, and then in October, uh, Daniel and I are going to try to do a two-person show. Right. Uh, just just he and I uh, at the gallery and so we'll start brainstorming and really trying to put our best work together for that. Yeah, I'm already, I've already got some paintings, and um, so yeah, it's going to be a good, a good show. And then, oh man, I'm really excited about some of the other things that we might be doing next year, um, but we, we'll just have to leave it at that. But <laughs> uh, you know, remember you and I started to talk about that on the phone the other day. No, wait, what? So you were down at in portrait at Portrait Society, and we started. To, oh yes, about it yes, afterwards. yes. Okay, yeah, I remember. Yes, that would be exciting. That would be yeah. really exciting. Um, we'll leave everybody hanging. Yeah. Okay. And and one last thing. Um, when it, okay? When is Mother's Day? That is usually the second Sunday of May. Okay, so we need to. Uh, we're gonna probably have some sort of a deal going on. Uh, the website for your two DVDs yes. that we have yes. there. Um, so we'll have some sort of an offer code that uh, will take a percentage off for the Mother's Day uh, kind of shopping holiday. What else? I think that's it. Yeah, I think so. Well, thank you so much, Dan. And Thank you. Um, it was great talking with you. Oh, oh, I wanted to mention too, I think we've got a thing going where if you if there is something on the website uh that you like we've got a little small percentage off for any podcast listeners if you type in the offer code podcast at checkout it should take a small just a small percentage off anything on the website cool and i'll i'll add to the new works pretty soon too ah that's right yeah maybe by the time this podcast comes out we'll have a few few new works from daniel and from me and good uh, so good all right thanks so much dan all right okay well i'm here with my friend daniel keys and uh he's just gotten back from portrait society blah 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 once it gets too hot to the touch that's when you know it's done No, on the. Do you have like a metal? Uh, yeah, I'm kidding. Milk thing. Yeah, I have one of those metal things. Yeah, once the outside of that gets too hot to the touch. Right. So, like micro micro 
foam. What? What's microfoam? So it's just it just has to do with um, like a a good latte is consistent all the way throughout the milk is. Okay. So like when you pour it in, it's not like really fluffy on at the top. Right. And then all this like liquid milk right. pours out underneath that. And so how do you avoid that? It's, it takes, I mean, it takes some skills. It's at the beginning when you're, when you are, um, when you are, it's called the, the first part of it is aerating. So you're putting in, you're introducing a little bit of, uh, air into the milk. And so you keep the steam wand, uh, sort of half submerged and half out just just on the surface of the of the milk okay and that um and and it should be making this kind of like sound at the beginning and then as soon as it gets to the point where it's the same temperature as your hand that's when you then submerge the um steam wand fully into the pitcher and then, and you try to put it at an angle so that it starts to create a vortex, because uh, then that's like mixing all of that air yeah. through yeah. and making tiny little bubbles everywhere. Yeah. Then, then you keep on doing that until it uh, is too hot to the touch. But that's pretty hard to do. Or, you know, it just takes. Well, that's what I just did. Yeah? <laughs> no. 